Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Hey, hey, welcome back to episode 15 of the Tereva Neyao podcast. I'm very, very excited to introduce our next guest on the show. Uh, in my wife's words, this person is sweet, loving, caring, kind, and above all, knowledgeable. For myself, I would describe her as regal, well-spoken, self-made, and absolutely inspirational. From the Tuamotu Islands to Hawaii and the USA, I present to you my interview with Hinaroti Mapuhi, but more known to everybody, especially in Hawaii, as Tati Rose Pereira. And without further ado, here is our interview that we were able to record about a week ago. Enjoy. So glad to have you here. It's a great honor. Yeah, I. it's a lot of work for us to try to get, you know, the time zones correct between California and Hawaii. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, let's just jump right in. Auntie, can you start by telling us a little about your birth to childhood? What island are you from? And where did you spend time as a child? My um, maiden name is Mapui. So I was born and raised in Tahiti. My family comes from the Tuamotu Islands, uh, primarily Takaroa, Takaputo, Ahe, Manhi, Kaukura, Kimo, all, all those uh, Tuamotu Islands. Whoever is on that island is probably related to my family somewhere or another. I was adopted at birth. The couple that adopted my dad also adopted me. So, but they were the only parents that I know was brought up in a very humble beginning. Parents, uh, hardworking, they're farmers. So I learned early on, um, not having the good things in life is not bad. You know, it, it was a way of living that that's how we lived complaining. We didn't know how. Uh, we had food on the table sometimes. I had three dresses for years. I never complained. I mean, it's, it was the way we lived. And so I thought that everybody lived like that, you know, with the toilet outside and, and um, you know, four walls. The home was clean. The home spoke love. My mom was hardworking. My dad was hardworking, but... My dad really was the leader of the house. And so um, I started dancing, I think when I was uh, four, even five, my mom sang at church. And uh, when in those days when the ship docked in Tahiti, the Mariposa, the Monterey, we were the little dancers. Like we all get dressed up in a little more and, and, and oti and... I think we were topless at those at, 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 at that time. And we were the little entertainers and we got paid. I think we got paid like, I think it was less than a penny. In those days, it was actually money that was less than a penny. My parents would collect the money. I learned um, that dancing was something that I love because I get noticed. Okay, I admit, you know, like, who doesn't want to put some things on and you get noticed and people clap you on? So I kind of like that acclamation. But my dad wasn't happy. My dad was, you go to school because someday you're going to need school to survive on. My parents had a stand at the market at the Marche. And, um, you know, my job was to sell lemon. You know, I was like, tapro, tapro, from from. But I learned at early age that, you need to take that foot forward, not fend for yourself, but you need to learn how to be the forward person. Like I had no problem getting up to the front, tapro tapro uh, lemon, 20 cents, you know, so otaro. 
I learned the value of hard work. I learned the value of earning, contributing to a household, however means that was. And I learned to balance working at the markets, five, six, seven, eight years old, uh, living within our means and the very little that we have and going to school. So um, eventually my dad decided he wants me to get involved in sports, which I did. I uh, played volleyball, basketball, I swam, I ran track. And uh, so I kind of put dancing on the side for a while. And uh, it wasn't until my mom passed away that I went all the way in with school. It wasn't culture. Culture was put aside. It wasn't the dancing that was on his side. It was important for my dad. And I knew the sacrifices because he was raising three other children on his own, all adopted. So I knew it was important. I knew the sacrifices. So dancing was leisure. You know, if it happens, it happens. Those were my thoughts. That's a lot of things that you learned early on. And that truly is humble beginnings. I agree. So was this childhood that you're talking about, was it between Takaroa and Tahiti or was it mostly Tahiti? Strictly Tahiti. I, okay. My, my uh, birth parents were from Takaroa. I actually didn't go to Takaroa until I was an adult. You know, I've only heard. I knew who my birth parents were. Uh, being adopted doesn't mean that that veil is put in front of you. Right. It's different so, in America. Right. Yeah, it's different in America. But there was nothing uh, secretive about, you know, this is your dad. We adopted him. We adopted you and your daughter. So there was nothing secretive about that. Uh, Takaroa came way later. At what point did you end up coming over this way to Hawaii or United um, States? It was after school. Um, my dad had a choice. It was sports and school and nothing in between. Oh, and church, but nothing else in between. Uh, that means no boys, no hanging out with friends after, no parties, no none of that. Envious of others. Um, yeah, I was. I was an obedient child. I really was. I was an obedient child. And I always knew that my dad will never lead me astray of my goal in life. He knew that he needed us to understand that, you know, after him, we got to take the rein. How are we going to handle it if he didn't do his part as a father? And so uh, after school, there's no college in Tahiti. So my choices were you go to Tonga or you go to Hawaii. And he said, in Hawaii, you would meet your paternal parents, which is your paternal grandparents, because Polynesian Cultural Center brought my grandparents and my Hanai mom, my aunt, who is my dad's sister, who later would become my Hanai mom, to the culture center to head the Tahitian village. And so I thought, I got to go to Hawaii. You know, that if if I meant to meet that side, and my dad had left after, after my real mom passed away, my dad couldn't handle the pain of losing her, although they kind of went their separate ways, but still kind of stay connected in a weird way. So he left. He left three children and he went, I don't know where, and came back years later to be buried. So I lost that contact with my real father. But I was curious to know who he was as an individual. So I thought the best way to know him is through his parents, my grandparents. And so I decided Hawaii was the place to be. My dad brought me here. And um, um, at the doorstep of my grandparents, knocked on the door and said, this is your granddaughter. I'm leaving her with you. There was no phone call. There was no telephones in those days. Well, I think there was, but... In Tahiti, that wasn't, we didn't have the pleasure of having telephones, uh, let alone international calls. Well, we didn't have telephones, period. And so at the doorstep, he knew through the church where my grandparents lived and all that, knocked on the door and his exact word was, this is, my name is actually Hina. This is oh, Roti Hina, 
Mapui, this is your granddaughter. This is Amuna's daughter. I want to leave her with you. And so uh, before he left, he left me with, uh, I think it was $260. That was his life savings. And he says, go to school. I'll be back next year. And so with that said, give them a hug and walked in a car. And I stayed in the middle of the road, crying and waving. I know. So anyways, so that's how I ended up here. Okay. You just uncovered something huge for me, which is, <laughs> it's beautiful. I'd like to hear if you don't mind sharing, can you share with us your full birth name? Oh, my birth name is Hina Roti Mapui. I see. Thus, Roti is rose. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in America, they'll call you Roti, uh, uh, Roti. And so it was easier. And they said, what? what? And I don't know why they never called me Hina, because I love my name. But it was easier for... American. So I adapted to that. You know, I'm in America. And I officially changed my name after I got married and went through the process of, um, you know, getting my paperwork together yeah. and pledging allegiance. You know, I was able to make that adjustment. So then at that point, you're here in the States. Is yeah. is it at PCC that you met your husband? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, my dad said, whatever you do, don't dance go to school. That was his focus in life was to make sure that we were educated. And so it was important for me if I'm the only one that I would bring honor to his wishes and honor to his name as my dad. But I had a problem. I had a huge problem. I didn't speak English. I spoke Pamutu because, you know, like everybody spoke Pamutu, French and Tahitian. How am I going to do that? I need to pass a TOEFL test to get admitted to BYU. I need to take an SAT test. I knew nothing. I like my English was so bad. I took my TOEFL test and seriously, I would look at my papers and I would think, oh God, help me with this. Okay, that's the one. Next. And I did that for the whole thing. Needless to say, I failed miserably. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had, and, and by then I lived in Hawaii for four months. My dad was coming back. I can't work because I'm not supposed to work. Right. Right. I need to get to school. How I'm going to do this. So we had TV at home. I watched cartoon all day. I learned my ABCs. I love to read. So I would read children's book. My best friend at the time was a dictionary. I did that for four months straight. Any time off I had, whether I was at the beach, at a park, in my room, in the living room, in a yard, it didn't matter. I was reading constantly. And I did understand dictionary would help me. And then I took the second test and I passed it with high colors. And so I was really happy and <laughs> uh, I still had a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what I was going to become. I didn't know when they said, uh, you know, what's your goal? Had no idea. What do you want to study? Had no idea. Uh, I didn't know that there was multiple choices. I thought like when you go to regular school, high school, you just go to school. And so in college is different. You study for, you know, a specific calling, you know, you're going to be an attorney or whatever. I thought, oh, this is interesting. I think I'm going to take international business. I was really good in math. So I actually wanted to be a mathematician because math was my strongest suit. And so I thought maybe I can take a minor in math. And so, uh, but it, it, it proved to be, heavy. So I thought I'm going to take international business. And then PCC sponsored me. And that's how I got my I-20 was through school and PCC. And so, uh, and I was a good student, so I had no problem completing, you know, my school years. 
and uh, I needed to earn money. PCC was it. I didn't want to dance though. I thought I could be a tour guide. I could be in a box office. Well, my grandfather was the chief of the Tahitian village. And he said, nope, put a more on, you're dancing. And I said, good Lord. I wasn't a very good dancer at that time. But my, my aunt was the instructor of the Tahitian section at the evening show. My grandmother would coach us, me and my, my cousins would coach us on dancing. I later found out that my mom, my Hanai mom, was Pupo Vahine to Madeleine Maua. She was Pupo Vahine and Koko Hotata was Pupo Tane. That's how close those two were. I had no idea though. I, I, it wasn't something that would come out and say, you know, why, 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 why? And so, um, so when I decided to learn my culture, it was through dancing first because culture I didn't know. I wanted to learn how dancing relates to culture and not culture to dancing because I had no other parkour. I started asking a lot of questions. When I decided that I want to do something with dancing and culture, it was because it was important to my Hanai mom. I did. And my lineage in dancing is only one teacher who only had one teacher. So I never hopped. I never like now, like everybody just go from any group to any teacher, to anywhere, to any who. My was very straight. It was my mom. Above her was Madeleine Mawa. And so everything that I needed counseling on, I never asked anyone because out of respect for her and for her love of dancing and for her love for her teacher, I needed to learn exactly in every footsteps that she took, I needed to do the same. That's so beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And what an honor, you know, um, like such a uh, grand lineage to be able to claim or um, just, just, it's not even that you're claiming it. I mean, it's, you're claiming it now because we asked, right? Or it was yeah. part of what we're talking about. But just for you to know and live your life under that umbrella of yeah. tutelage from them, you know, yeah. it's just absolutely amazing and very rare too, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a lot yeah. of folks who are able to say that they're either retired from doing this and or they just don't talk about it. I know, I know that that's huge part of the culture is we don't talk about, you know. Yeah. who taught us it's not that they don't give respect it's just unless it comes up you don't bring it up you know mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. I'm grateful for that I am um, proud of the fact that um, I'm true to my roots when it comes to um, dancing and um, you know when you're a frontline dancer and you poop ho how much more can you ask how much right. better can that get, you know? Uh, at what point then you're dancing in these shows and all that, at what point do you meet your husband, John? Well, I was, uh, I quickly, uh, then again, my grandmother was like, yeah, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. So she was a coach. She was a tough coach. We became the it girls in Tahitian dancing at PCC. I was featured in several uh, magazines in posters. In fact, I think I was featured in their very first posters. I was on their record album and um, I did commercials. I did uh, spot shows. I did sprint ads. We were the eight girls, you know, when Elvis Presley wanted to come, the general manager wanted to just put his best girls uh when the uh, king of tonga came wanted us to be the forefront when all dignitaries came to pcc we were the girls i came to understand my responsibility as a daughter of a famous ratira who had an even more famous ratira i understood how important it was for me to make sure that I bring honor to that. 
And uh, so I was a dancer and my husband was a canoe paddler. So I always like to think that he paddled his way to my heart. And we kind of clicked, you know, automatically. I think in my heart of heart, when I saw him, I knew him. I, I had met him somewhere. We've never met, but in my heart of heart, I met him somewhere before. I, I knew him. I knew his mannerism. I knew, but he had another girlfriend. So, right? So I thought, you know, you have no idea how far I've come. Literally, how far I've come. I've come from the ghettos of ghettos of Titioro to work myself here to come and look for you. And you hanging out with who? You know, I, I, you know, I'm Tahitian. You know, I batted my eyes. I uh, smiled and I spoke to him in my broken English and he understood me perfectly. And um, he decided, um, I think we do have something. And um, so I needed to fight for who I thought was the father of my children before they were even my children. But I needed to bring them through that lineage of John into my family because I thought they deserved that. And I had to make him understand that um, the sacrifices that I went through was not only losing my parents, being adopted, living poor. You know, sometimes we had food, sometimes we didn't. You know, three dresses a year for how many years? I never complained, but I'm going to complain now because I am here. I am now. And you need to understand that if you don't, I don't know. I probably would have gone chasing after him still. I don't know. But, um, you know, I was persistent. I, he always says, oh, she came running after me. Thank God. You know where you would have been now? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this I love that. This girl yes. puts you right back in a place. Yes. And I kind of, John was my first boyfriend. I think the part that would, everybody who's listening to this and everybody who is just in the kind of relationship or marriage like ours that those words you spoke when you said i mean i'm i'm tahitian i batted my eyes i smiled i think we all understand that <laughs> reference to that yeah because the <laughs> these these are the these are the men who did marry tahitian women and and did you know um i want to say fall for but i also want to say like definitely like also gave in right like and then for the tahitian women that you know have also been featured like they all have that kind of in common like this is this is me meeting somebody and catching yeah. their attention so yeah. I absolutely love it and I just I totally pictured that I mean this could be like a movie your love story you know that's amazing so your husband he is Samoan is that correct my husband is Samoan he was born and raised here he was born here raised in California his mom is um high talking chief in Samoa, she's from, um, I want to say Mapusanga. She was a very strong woman. You know, she was a the mother of the house. She was so, you know, in the absence of my mom, you know, I wanted to emulate someone. You know, she was the one after John and I, you know, decided, you know, we we're meant to be together, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, I decided to cling to him but he didn't know that I would cling closer to his mom. <laughs> so, uh, because I wanted to emulate that. She was a righteous woman. She was a God-fearing woman. She was a leader of the house. She was um, a good mom. She spoke uh, kindly, but fiercely. There was no profanity. I, I don't like profanity. I, I think it degrades us women. So profanity is not spoken in my home because it was never spoken in the home that I lived in. She, I think she uh, smiled through her fears. She smiled through her anger. And I wanted to know how to do that. She spoke very little English, but I love that woman so much. I want, I wanted to be a part of her world. I speak six languages. So I speak Pomutu, Tahitian, French, English, Samoan and Japanese. That's because I wanted to be in my mother-in-law's world. I didn't want her to be in my world. You know, she's way older than me. She's been in my, but I wanted to learn 
when I say I wanted to emulate her, I wanted to emulate everything, including conversation with her. You know, the broken someone, she understood and corrected me. And so, um, you know, I learned the Samoan culture. I learned the Haitian culture. I learned the Samoan culture. I knew how to see. I knew how to do falabilabis. I knew how to do all that stuff because that was part of me, not only as a Tahitian woman, but as a Polynesian woman. I wanted to be part of that world. Like that, that's like one of the most regal, I think, qualities of uh, Vahine from Tahiti and from Polynesia in general. But my experience with being with Vaidea, not just Vaidea, um, assimilating to the lifestyle here and learning my culture as well. But also I saw like, I, I, I see that with my own like in-laws, you know, I, I hear the stories of my mother-in-law. She is a uh, woman who has Rurutu and Malpiti lineage, but she had to go live with um, my father-in-law's side in, in Manihi. So mm-hmm. she she learned a lot of the um, the ways from her in-laws, which are not the same as her island chain. And even her grandmothers, right? They're all like married into um, different lineages. Like like Vaidea's grandma, who's Malpiti, married the Rurutu man, but now she lives as a widow in Rurutu and she's like one of the elders so, you know, learning to speak the language and the customs, it's 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 different, you know, it's very different. So I totally respect and love that about you, that you say that about, you know, um, it's more than assimilation, you know, because the way that y'all do it, when I say y'all, I mean, women from Tahiti who learn their husband's culture and um, their children's culture, it's, it's, it is with love. It's not forced. It's not out of, well, you know, we can't talk for everybody, but I'm saying that your story reminds me of the ones I've heard that I admire, um, in, in say my wife's side that you do this out of love. You do this out of duty, but also desire to, like you said, put yourself in that world, that perspective, that culture, and not just make them come to you and, you know, adapt to you. Right. So I think that's, that's, says a lot, but it also answers a lot of questions for me, just thinking about all my interactions with you and um, seeing you be the person to introduce like the, the golden, the golden cast for the PCC golden era uh, video that they made it. You, to me, you looked absolutely noble. It's the way you carry yourself. So I kind of wondered where that came from. I was, I was um, suspecting your, your Hanai mother, who I'm sure influenced you somewhat, but now that you say that your mother-in-law is a Tula Fale and mm-hmm. had all these ways about her, that absolutely makes sense because yep. you carry yourself like a chief, Auntie. You know, I appreciate that, Ryan. Well, yeah, I think I think anyone hearing this episode right now is I'm I'm 99% sure most people listening to this are like, yes, I agree with him. You know, it's just the actions speak for themselves, so. It's not even a debate. It's just it's just facts, right? Did did Uncle have to do any kind of visa for you? I know you had like student working and working visas from PCC, but you know, did you did you guys do any of the visas and all that before you had children, or how did that work? I yeah, we did do a. You know, I can't remember. It's been forty five years. Uh, I I don't. I think we did have. You know, I. I'm not sure, actually. That's a good question. All I know is that um, I was, uh, I got married. I lived here. I didn't go home for a while, so I didn't need a password at the time. But um, it was evident to me that this is my adopted land. How do I give homage to that adopted land also, but to be a part of it? You know, I thought... I'm Tahitian at heart that I will remain always. I'm I'm Tahitian from head to toe. You know, uh, people know my my street is Hinano Street. My house plays Tahitian music. My house is Tahitian. I'm Tahitian head to toe. And so, but when I decided to pledge allegiance, I always knew that America will never take what belongs to me away. All I'm doing is adapting to that so that I could say I am American as well. So I have, you know, dual personality. No, I'm just kidding. 
I am dual, dual citizenship. And um, I, I think I needed to make things right rather than being sponsored, you know, and John being an American, I think have done that. I, and I don't know how we, we did that process. So I knew that one of the uh, requirements or one of the subject that you had was how did that sponsorship came about after, you know, I was done with PCC and all that. I, uh, I, I don't believe that um, it was a lengthy process. I pledged allegiance probably 40 years ago. So within that three years span, I may have been in a limbo somewhere, uh, maybe illegally limbo. Yeah, that's very common. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so, yeah, common, um, common. Yeah. And so, um, but I wanted to go home. Uh, I, I was yearning to go home. I haven't been home, you know, in years. I've been home since I left home in 1974. So it wasn't until 1980 something after I had all my three children that I decided it was time for me to go home. And so, um, but I, I had, um, you know, my citizenship. I'm a taxpayer. <laughs> you know, I contribute to your uncle, Sam. No pun intended. <laughs> I just understood that <laughs> last. Quiet. Yes. Good, good, good one. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I, I uh, yeah, that's, you know what? This is valuable for us to hear, too, because I don't think this is a case of missing memory. Another... Vahine, who I interviewed on the podcast, was also telling me, you know, I listened to what you and Vaira did, and it sounds so different than what I did. Because I think she came in the early 80s. And so it's evident to me, and this is good for us to document too, it's evident to me that the couples in your generation, which is a generation before me, um, I don't want to say had it easier, because it wasn't easier. There's no FaceTime. There's no... Wi-Fi. There's, I mean, it's harder if anything, but the paperwork sounded a lot less hoops to jump through than we have. Yes. Yes. I imagine so. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, I don't even see it as that's on the part of the Tahitians who came. I see it as it's on the part of the immigrants that have decided to come to the U S but did not follow protocol like you and so many others that have been on the show because they just do whatever, then the U.S. has to crack down every year, make it stricter, right? Mm. And even since the last time we did it, the, the couples, there's a couple young, you know, younger couples than us that one is from Tahiti or French Polynesia, the other's from here. Mm. And then they told me how much it costs. I said, oh, it's increased, you know, yeah. so. How much is it? It's in the thousands, the visa fees, and then you need a lawyer now because everything that happened with COVID and you know different policies under the Trump administration have changed immigration. So um, it's a little bit more of a gamble if you do it without a lawyer. Um, I think so, ours was seventy dollars, maybe ninety dollars. Yeah, I think ours was ten times that, if 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 at all, maybe uh, yeah, maybe more than that. But thank you for sharing that. I know it's, you know, it can be very personal for people, but I appreciate it. And then I know you, I've met your, I think I've met both your children briefly through Nemenzo when I came to Shell one year. But I know your daughter's Kim and I know your your son is Johnny. Is there another kid? Yes, it's Christian. Oh, Christian. Okay. You have another son. Okay. I have another son. Yes. Got it. So there's three so, kids. I have three kids. Okay. And then did you raise them with, um, my big question for you is about language. Cause mm -hmm. I do see they're very, your kids are very cultured on both sides mm -hmm. and also growing up in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I, I admire that. So they have very cultured on all three sides, but, mm -hmm. um, for Reo Teiti, were you able to raise them in the household speaking to them? Do they understand well? Uh, Kim does. Kim, I think, I, I want to, well, she wants to think she's fluent. Allo. She wants to think she's fluent in French, but um, she does, she does well, you know, getting, um, getting around, uh, uh, understanding and being understood. Johnny was a very late bloomer. Uh, he didn't started 
uh, getting involved in the things that I did. Uh, I dragged my kids through everything that I did. So when I started working, I uh, I didn't do anything about culture. I, um, you know, I worked hard. You know, I studied hard. You know, for little Umtu girls studying international business in a school that she failed once, I was a 3.8 GPA. So I did pretty good for myself. Uh, with uh, English being my fourth language. So I worked, you know, with banks. I had a really good job. I was um, I was an auditor for a bank. I worked my way up through the ladders of corporate America. I had some good jobs. And it wasn't until maybe about 10 years into it, it was after I came back from Tahiti. After I came back from Tahiti, things changed. My heart changed, my mentality changed. I always knew that I may have covered it, but I knew it was always there. I think I was afraid because I didn't want to disappoint my dad because that was his thing. And so that maybe facade is a, is a strong word. My grandkids make, make fun of me all the time. Mama, you always use such big words. I love to read. I'm a reader fanatic. Like I read all the time. So I don't want to use, I don't want to say facade because I think it's a strong word. I knew in my subconsciousness somewhere in there, I needed to resurface that. I just needed to find the right time to do that. I was busy raising a family being, you know, a, a, you know, a, a somewhat good wife to my husband, working with myself uh, hard at work, um, making a name for myself at work. And I went to Tahiti and I was flooded. It was the flood of emotions. It was the flood of, you know, I felt like I needed to be readmitted again. I needed to reconnect again. I needed to be reaccepted. I needed I needed something that was beyond what I was doing now. What it was, I don't know. But my Hanai mom had moved back to Tahiti by now. I had spoken to her and I said, um, I think I want to learn who I am, really who I am. I know what I am now, but I need to learn who I really am. And if through you, my flesh and blood, it is culture. I know Mama U was a culture queen. I, I knew who she was. I know who you are. I need to feel that. I, I need to get back to that. And a long conversation with her. And uh, she says, you know, Rose, you always knew who you were turn back around and look at it in front of you and know it, accept it. And at that time, I knew what I needed to do. I needed to go back to who I am. I needed to research my roots and I needed to add my branch to that tree. And I needed to make sure that my tree would bloom and my, my flowers would, would create a scent. My tree would be so strong that it would withstand a lot. And so I came back and I told my husband, I decided I want to teach dancing. And he goes, and us? I said, you had no choice, verbatim. You had no choice. Our kids, they have no choice either. So he goes, okay. John has always been very supportive. Always, John doesn't know how to say no. He doesn't. That's why I'm spoiled. And so um, I made little signs, put on the side of the road. I was teaching dancing. And um, any questions that I had, I'd call my mom. You know, steps back in those days were none. Honestly, my mom's, her teacher was, ohure, ohure. Like, oh, you don't say that now. You know, Farapu was not. Farapu came after. Farapu Tairi Tamo. Um, uh, I think she did Paoti, uh, Rule, Patia. Uh, she loved boys. She she loved working with boys. 
probably more than she like enjoy working with girls. And so, but in terms of steps, there was literally none. And so um, I did some research, thank God for Hedemona, and there was actually steps that was written. When, I'm not sure, but there were steps. Fatapu is one of them. And it makes sense that Fatapu means to, you know, go around in circles. I started teaching those steps. Very basic is the one that I know would make sense to my ears and my head. Hence my debut in, in uh, the world of Tahitian dancing. I spoke the language, so I was okay with that. Translating had no problem. Speaking the language had no problems. It was putting my heart and soul in it 100% and not deviating from my course that made me who I am today. You know, I, I just judge a competition with uh, Fabian Dinar and Auntie Lucy. I love intermingling, intermingling with them, but it's who I was taught by that makes a difference, you know, and what my eyes were trained to look, what my eyes would decipher between that boy or that girl and out of the group. I can see she hitting the numbers, the 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 pay. I leave her alone because she's already in, you know. So I I already have developed a good sense of what a dancer should be, what a teacher should be, and what a judge should be. And I always tell my my dancers, I'll teach you, I'll dance with you from the dancer's point of view. I'll teach you from the teacher's point of view, and I'll judge you from the judge's point of view because I am all three encompassed. I knew how to do that, and I knew how to decipher between those three. So, yeah, my culture education was very limited, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I took heed to what I thought was right and not ask questions to anybody else that would confuse me. And I see a lot of that now. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even it's very common in our generation, what, you know, for those of us involved, both of the bloodline and, and like myself, who's not of the bloodline. I don't, I don't think today it has to do with second guessing our teachers, but it's more just that there's just so much available Mm-hmm. that it's natural for people. I don't say, I'm not talking about necessarily me or anyone in particular. I just mean, I think it's natural for young people to look at what's the new the new uh, style or the new yeah. thing coming out and what's attractive and being curious about it. But you bring up a good point, which is to stay rooted because if we truly were given the gift of time mm-hmm. from certain teachers like you did from your Hanai mother, then why are we not honoring that above all else mm-hmm. above the ribbons and certificates and trophies and mm-hmm. titles it's the people who spend the most time with us that that should be valued the most is what i'm hearing yeah. um at least my interpretation of it you know so thank you for sharing that because i think it's it's valuable for the younger people to learn from you that they should look at who spent time with them and not think of it as less than just because it isn't the award-winning group mm-hmm. person, whatever, affiliated to the award-winning group person this year, whatever, it changes, yeah. you know? And at the end of all the changes, the the foundation is still the same. It's still the beautiful part, you know, the mm-hmm. things you're describing. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. You know, for us, we talk about like dance. We talk about our different families that are here. How do we bridge the community better? as the Tahitian families that are here. And I don't say that from the point of view as a Tahitian, but as a father to Tahitian boys, as a father, as a husband to a Tahitian woman and, you know, raising that family. I very much raise them in my culture, but I also make sure that they're always connected to their own. And a part of what's missing here is like I was telling you before the calls, like the Hawaiians, I mean, they have their community solid. You just go to Hawaii and you, you know who's who. The Samoan and Tongan diasporas are very strong outside of their islands. Mm-hmm. They're able to kind of lean on each other and their churches to kind of have their culture. But for us, we're trying to bridge this, our communities in Utah, Hawaii, California, Florida, and, and try to keep us all together with the group that we have online. How do we 
in your opinion, what direction do we need to move in to make sure that that happens and that happens um, successfully? Mm, that's a really, really good question. It really takes a, a person with uh, the right frame of uh, intentions, you know, because, and I know like, you know, all the other cultures, as soon as you do something, it was like, there's an intent behind the action, you know, why are they doing that? Why is she doing that? So I think it's bypassing, turning off that noise, you know, you know what you need to do, you know, um, you know, having, having maybe a, a news week or a newsletter, you know, pass it around, you know, uh, being involved in, you know, there's these activities coming up or this, you know, we want to organize a, uh, a tamara, you know, we want to uh, get to know each other. We want to, um, other than going to a competition, you know, like that, that's, you know, would be what people would think would be the, the thing to do. But I would think that um, featuring a, an individual, you know, um, what, what exactly what you're doing in a podcasting, but, um, you know, it's, um, there's still some power in what I say colors, you know, there's still some uh, powers in words, you know, so I think if you reach out to your right and extend it farther than that, I think that's the first step, you know, reaching out to your left, and extending that and same things forward and back. I think that would be a good step towards um, bringing everybody. What's the purpose? Well, the purpose is you may have a family that you don't know live here. You may have a family that lives just down the block that you didn't know, you know? So getting to know each other through things like that may motivate them to be a part of it because if anything let's get together for our kids let's get together so our kids can know that my parents is friends or related to so and so kind of like a little tahitian family reunion and quote unquoting the family part you know what i mean like having a little tahitian reunion and staying on that, you know, um, if there's a big group in San Francisco, okay, you know what? Why don't we all go to San Francisco? Why don't we make it a reunion, a three days get together reunion? And, um, you know, next year, let's move to to Utah. You know, let, let's make it so that it's possible to make it an activity and yet we get to meet and, and, you know, show us around, you know, why is this, why is that? Why not this, why not that? And then come to us, we'll do the same. So kind of reaching out people like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know, about colors because we never know. I mean, and, and there could be a time where we think we don't need to do that, but in actuality, there may be that one person who is desperately needing some, family members you know what I mean like that feeling of belonging somewhere it could have been yeah. alone you that's know? why we that's why we made the group right was when she came um when Vaidea came she had no she had relatives but they're distant yeah and so we added you know started adding who we knew try to figure out who I could connect her to and what you're talking about is exactly the goal, right? Um, yeah. We want to do it in, uh, we did a small one in Los Angeles, and then we want to do one in Honolulu, just yeah. because there are more Tahitian American or Tahitian Hawaiian even families that are out there yeah. and just everybody meet, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's amazing to do that, you know, uh, a two days event, a three days, why not? Yeah. Right. You know? Structured like a family reunion, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Structure, yeah. Like, structure it like that. I think you'd be able to learn so much more. You know, we have giants in our community mm -hmm. and, you know, so, soon they're, you know, they're going to be crossed over and we never had an opportunity to 
speak to them right outside right. of the competition norm that we all get together and outside of that you know what is your likes and don't likes what is your you know what you know it, it's i think it's important we've got too many giants like anti-royalty that have gone and too many people have, you know, not heard of that name, you know, and, um, but it all, because we never, you know, we never did anything. So. Right. Right. It was on you to, you know, to start the footwork on that. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I, my goal is then that when I, when we, that finally happens, that I'm going to come up and give you a big hug and say, remember, we talked about this on the podcast episode. Yeah, yeah no, for real. And, <laughs> and I'm going to say, hell is about time. Yeah, that's right. You know, we've got a puppy who is really f- uh, frail. Right. Uh, Itua is, you know, right behind. Mm-hmm. We have such strong community leaders and people like, um, like Timanhas. Right. You know, have been so diligent yep and culture and you know that you know Tevayuranui is not as as strong of a name now as it was back then but these are the people that actually paved the road for so many people these are the very leaders that I'm talking about that needs to be uh kept in communication or even in spotlights because they have done their due diligence in putting a block here, putting a stone here, you know, building that marae of of learning and and wordings and songs and drums and all that. So yes, please. And T, I I couldn't thank you more for this interview. And I love that just the way you um you don't even it's like an interview about you and honoring <laughs> you and your story and you still bring it back to honor and show love to others. Um, I really want to thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Um, I really love and appreciate you. Seriously. Thank you. It's me. Thank you.